Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. I just sense such an expectancy. Hallelujah. Pastor John was exhorting us. I sense the fire of God just begin to touch. Hallelujah. How many of you are sensing him even right now? Glory to God. Yep. Hallelujah. Don't worry about revival. It's already around. <laughs> God's, God's a moving. Glory to God. Well, my name is Pastor Dave Bush. Pastor David thought I should introduce myself and my wife, Lissa, over to my left. And my son, Jonathan, next to her. My daughter, Anna, around somewhere. My son-in-law, Noah, ministering to the kids. So that's me. So I want you to know, how many of you came expecting to receive from God? Now, I like to do this when I'm teaching in the Bible school, when I'm teaching uh, in our classes. I like to say, you know, there's, a, there's two parts here. I'm expecting God to speak to us. And, but there's another part of this. There's a scripture in Mark that talks about Whatever measure you bring, that's the measure God fills. And so I've used that many, many times in different places, in different uh, countries, to say the same thing. Every one of us has a, an expectancy that we can place to receive from God. Because how many of you believe God wants to speak to you? He wants to minister to you. He wants to fill you. He wants to help you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to pour himself out on you. Does anybody believe for that? What do you believe for? The Bible says that the measure we bring, I'm expecting God to do something good. And I've already sensed the presence of God and the fire of God. But I want to encourage you, whatever it is that you need, expect as we begin to minister the word that you will receive that word that you need from the Father. Amen? And I want you to expect that all this week and all this month that you'll continue to increase in the, in the what God is doing and what God is saying in your life. Now, I'm just going to open with that because that was what was on my heart when I stepped up here to encourage you. The Father's ready. We need to be ready. And I'm expecting to receive. How many of you would like to go ahead and increase the size of your expectancy right now? <laughs> Hallelujah. Just go ahead and decide. I, I'm expecting to get everything God has for me tonight. In Jesus' name. Would that be all right? All right. Now I feel better. Tonight we start a series for all the month of March on the Passion Week. This is a new series about it. We're going to learn all the different stages of the Passion Week. Everyone knows that Easter's coming up next month. And there are several things that take place in the final week of Jesus' life here on earth. And each Wednesday night, we're going to take some time to go through each of those stages and present that to you. And I, I suspect that what's going to happen is even just pouring myself over the word, reading it many times. I've gotten excited about thinking about all these truths that are so powerful and so wonderful that I'm getting more, even more excited about Easter and, and all that it means. And my, I hope that it will cause us each to have more information to make our conversations more interesting. And I'm expecting that it's going to lead, as we start talking about all these different things, as we're better in conversation, that it's going to lead to us being able to help people believe in the Lord. 
Wouldn't that be great if we really had an overflow uh, uh, time in our personal life where people just keep wanting to listen to what we know about Jesus because of these things. So I'm expecting that. I don't know if you know this, but the writers of the Gospels wrote extensively about these this six days. They, they wrote extensively about this week. Several prophecies were all fulfilled all in one week. And it's my understanding as I was reading about that that Matthew wrote two-fifths of his entire book is written about the last week of Jesus' life. And then I thought about that. Mark, three-fifths of his book is written about the Passion Week. And Luke, one-third of his book is spent on the last six days of Jesus' life. And then Brother John, he wrote his much later than the rest of them. And he wrote almost half of his book on the Passion Week. I think these guys were excited about what these truths meant. Now the Bible says they really didn't understand it at the time. But then they had the revelation come. And I want you to be encouraged tonight that they had such revelation that they wanted to make sure that you and I got it so we can be excited about it as well. And for me, it's an honor tonight to speak about the first stage, which is the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Sometimes people say, well, I don't know if I'm too excited about that kind of a teaching. I don't know about you, but every single thing in the Word of God is there for a purpose. And I suspect that we're going to get excited about what God has to say. I was praying. I've been praying a lot about this time. And I've been expecting to receive something from God. But I'm expecting especially to receive revelation from him. How many of you can agree with that? And I'm expecting that the Holy Spirit's going to speak to us. I've had it happen where people will come. I'll teach a whole Bible class or a whole message. And they come up and they say, God spoke to me about such and such. And I scratched my head and I said, I didn't have anything to say about that. But that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's in this place and he is speaking and ministering along where you are. I mean, I'm excited about that. But I believe revelation will come about this triumphal entry. It is one of the events that made it into all four of the Gospels. <clears throat> the Bible says the disciples didn't quite get it at the time, but afterwards they figured it out. Palm Sunday, as we call it, Jesus entered into Jerusalem as the king of the kings and the Lord of the lords. And this is interesting. No longer was he telling people to keep it quiet, keep it down. He was openly allowing the proclamation that he is the Christ. He is the long-awaited Messiah. Glory to God. Now, if you go with me in your Bibles to Matthew, and I really want to actually touch each of these scriptures. I think it's very important to take a look at it. And I want to read in Matthew chapter 21. And let's just read the story of this triumphal entry. Matthew 21, starting at verse 1. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent the two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you. Immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send him. <clears throat> All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion... Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, 
a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt, and they laid their clothes on them, and they set him on, on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. And others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And so the multitude said, Talk about some evangelism. The multitude said, This is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Glory to God. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the word. I thank you that it changes us. Thank you for the word that's spoken to each individual because tonight they're going to hear from you. God, I believe for that, and I thank you for it. Have your way in this place. Everything you want to do, we believe for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, sharing a little bit of background. The Jews were occupied and controlled by Rome, and uh, how many of you know they hated that? You can see it all through the Bible, all through the Gospels, the constant situations, the tension, the resentment could be felt everywhere. There's so much history about the revolts and the unrest and the problems that we can see in the Gospel writings, and the Jews longed for and were looking for a promised Messiah. Their God had promised them a Savior, and they were expecting they were expecting to be delivered from this Roman rule and get their city back. They wanted to be delivered from the tyranny of the emperors and the control of all of these soldiers. They were always expecting that conquering king to come and deliver them and to make them that nation that shines on the hill again. <clears throat> they were tired. They were angry about this pressure. They didn't like being taxed, and they didn't like all the tyranny and all the different things that were going on. In fact, many were fasting, many were praying, many were confessing and crying out for their deliverance. How many of you can identify? We know about Anna and Simeon and the many others that were praying night and day, fasting, asking, praying for God to save them. And deliver them. You know that this was never God's plan to become the new emperor. This was never God's plan to set them like they thought. God did have a plan to deliver all the world. He did have a plan to stop all tyranny forever. He did have a plan to destroy the true dictator, the devil. And that was in the mind of God. All these years, all these thousands of years have now come down to the culmination in this one week where so many things were going to take place that God had been working on and planning because of his divine master plan. He was going to set free the human race from the destruction and the tyranny of the devil. This plan was going to deliver us all from the power of the devil forever. And even though they were celebrating him this time, Jesus, the Messiah, the King of the kings, even the disciples didn't quite understand what was going on, and they kind of were looking for the same thing to happen. They thought that Jesus was going to go ahead and finally step into his place, overthrow Rome, and put Israel back in first. 
but that was not. He would change history that day, that week. Everything would change this week. It wasn't a good time to be a follower of Jesus. You know, the scripture speaks about it in the book of John, how uh, they came and Jesus says, hey, we're going to go back to Jerusalem because they said Lazarus was sick. And it says Thomas even pitched in and said, well, if we're, Lord, they're going to kill you. And Jesus says, we're going. Thomas throws in, well, we're just going to go die together then. I know you've heard of doubting Thomas. We'll talk about that doubt. That Thomas, I like that Thomas right there. We'll just go die with him. Not only were they wanting to kill him, but then Jesus goes and throws down the gauntlet. He raises Lazarus from the dead. And now what's happened? Multitudes are coming to him. Just so happened to be the, the week of the Passover and all these Jews were coming in. I mean, talk about the merging of times and, and so many exciting moments coming together all at once by God's great design. Can you imagine, right in the midst of that, that this man who's dead for four days gets called out of the grave? Glory to God. Jesus, because Lazarus come forth and out he comes. I kind of imagine that a little bit, and I'm thinking, how does that work? Because they said they had the grave clothes on. You know, I've seen people, you know, he had to kind of hop out, and Jesus says, loose him and let him go. Hallelujah. I want you to know it's still the mind of the Lord to loose us and let us go. Hallelujah. But now this created such increased pressure. Now the Jews are convinced they need to kill Jesus. They even say they're going to have to kill Lazarus too. Why? Because too many people are thronging to go after Jesus. And now they put out a hit for him. I added that. They didn't say that in the Bible, but I call it. He put out the hit order. (laughs) The Jews put out the hit order for Jesus and Lazarus. And Jesus could no longer walk openly among them. But he knew where he had to be at that right time, at this place, so that he could be in place for what God wanted to do and had been planning to do. Now let's go to Mark chapter 4, excuse me, 11. I'll read some of it, but not all of it. But I just want you to touch again. The second gospel writer writes about this. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem... In Bethphage and Bethany and the Mount of Olives, he sent the two disciples. So they go get the colt, skipping down to verse 9. Then those who were before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And he went to Jerusalem and into the temple. He looked around and then he went back to Bethany. You know, these are prophetic scriptures that are coming to pass. The Jews should have figured this out. They should have known this was the Messiah. They should have been able to discern that this was the one. They had their Old Testament prophets. They had those words. Look at Zechariah chapter 9. It says it right there, 9 verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. He's lowly and he's riding on a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey. What they wanted was a conquering king. 
kind of like the Roman soldier, you know, they have those conquerors and, and there's this whole imagery. They wanted that, Jesus. But God's plan was to send them the king who would be a servant, riding on the, riding on the foal of a donkey. You know, they had different size horses. There's the king's horse, would be a powerful charging steed, just impressive. And you would have the war horses, and the general would have one of the best ones, and, and strong and powerful, and, and the, you know, the horse would stamp, and it would be so impressive. Then there would be regular horses. Then there would be donkeys. <laughs> then there would be full of donkeys. <laughs> you could see, he, he didn't come with the horse they thought he should come on. He came on a humble donkey. But it was important that this donkey had never been ridden. Because royalty, that's a, royalty couldn't be a ride on something that had already been ridden or used for general purposes. Jesus was the king, the Messiah, the Lord, who was put upon a donkey that had never been ridden, a colt that had never been ridden, so that he could ride down into Jerusalem. As the, as the Messiah. They would cry Hosanna, which meant, uh, the best interpretation is, save us now. Many times we're saying that to God, save us now. Help me in my situation now. Plea that would come forth from these oppressed people that their Savior would deliver them from this tyranny of Rome and all that was around that. <clears throat> it was a standard shout of praise. In Psalm 118, verse 25 and 26, another messianic psalm, it talks about this, and it, there's where we get the language. They were probably quoting these scriptures. Verse 26, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. In this case, the people were acknowledging that Jesus truly was the Messiah. Glory to God. Now go with me to Luke chapter 19 just touch it I won't read all of it but just look at it real quick Luke chapter 19 something else that comes here that I think is important for us to look at the whole story again talks about the owner of the donkey in this in Luke you know how he is about getting the details in so he talked about they went and got the the donkey and the colt and the owner said what are you doing so that's good they said we're going to bring it back don't worry but I want you to catch one thing that, that happens at verse 39. Everyone's praising and worshiping Jesus. This is openly and, and multitudes are here and crowds and, and there's crowding and there's shouting and there's it's exuberance for Jesus. How many of you feel that he deserves it? They were so excited about all the healings. They were so excited about all the works of miracles that he was doing. They were excited about his preaching. And they were all converged from all over Rome. The Jews were coming in for their Passover. And so this was such a great time. And they, they said, you are the Messiah. Verse 39, some of the Pharisees from the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and he said, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Saying that if, and then he said this, I think it's interesting, if you had known... Even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, 
but now they're hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embarkment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave you even one stone upon another. Why? Because you did not know the time of your visitation. My friends, this is similar to our day. Paying attention to the signs of our times. God is speaking. Once again, prophetic words are coming to pass. Once again, it's all setting up for a divine stage. But I want you to see this. It says just before that, I lost my verse, but you know it's right there. He wept over Jerusalem. He wept over Jerusalem because they missed their visitation. God had plans to give them peace. And just like Israel in the promised land, he had plans to help them and bless them and give them everything that he died for. To get everything he wanted them to have, he was ready to die for. And they missed their visitation. And then the last one is John's gospel. And I, again, the story is there, John chapter 12. And I just want to read a couple of the key verses just to give you the full picture, and then we've touched all four places where all four gospel writers wrote about this triumphant entry. I love John's gospel because he spends over half of his book on this Passion Week. You know, we have some, such great teaching. Did you note that in, in John's, as he as he's sets up the triumphal entry, that some of the most amazing teachings happen in chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 15. How many of you have just loved the teaching about the Holy Spirit and the teaching about peace and unity and the teaching, all these things come as John, who had the advantage of seeing Matthew, Mark, and Luke's letters. John got to see, and his was written 20 plus years later, and he got to put these things into, and his message was for you and for me. And I want you to see, just before, I mean, we have the washing of the feet, too, by the way. That's always exciting to know about. Jesus is the true vine. Jesus is everything that we're going to need. Just before they got to this place where Jesus got on the donkey, Mary had anointed Jesus the day before. In John chapter 12, we won't read it, but I just wanted to mention it to you. It was she that was aware. She was the one that was sensitive. She was the one that yielded to the Lord and took a very costly perfume, something that filled the whole house with its fragrance, and she anointed him for his burial. I love to be that. I want to be that kind of a Christian that's aware and sensitive to what God is doing in the earth. And God is doing some great things. You know, they, I told you John chapter 12, verse 16, I won't go there, but the disciples didn't understand this at first, but then they did. And they began to recognize this is one of the greatest events in history. Now, there is a day when Jesus is going to come in on a white horse, and he will be crowned King of Kings, Lord of Lords. I want you to know all of that's going to happen. But this was very significant that it took place right here. I love the scripture in John chapter 12 uh, where it talks about the Greeks came. This is, a, this is big news. They wanted to see Jesus. And they came to see him and he began to teach them as well. There were so many during this time that did not believe. 
even after seeing all the works, even after seeing his miracles, even after hearing his words, even even knowing all these prophecies, they did not believe. Can you imagine? Nobody here would be that way, right? We are told, we are called upon by God to believe and trust in him. Many Jews believed, it says in, also in John chapter 12, verse 42, they believed, but they wouldn't confess him for fear of being put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. But I want you to go with me to this last scripture, John chapter 12 and verse 44. This is what the master is asking. Jesus wants us to believe. He cried out, He who believes in me believes not only in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. And I come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not remain in darkness. That's the cry. That was the purpose. That's what God wants. So I'd like to close you with three questions. This is why we study these things, to understand. Here's the first question. Who is Jesus to me, to us? Who is he? Is he the Christ? Is he the Messiah? The Son of God. I think many here would probably answer yes. Check your neighbor. How many of you answer yes to that question? Check your neighbor. Are they, is their hand up? No? I have a witnessing opportunity now. Hold on. Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. Do we believe in him? I think this is still the greatest question today. Do I believe in him? I remember when I first got saved in 1981. First time I ever heard the gospel. Never read the Bible before. First church I was ever in. And they preached the gospel and I raised my hand and I said, yes, I want Jesus. I didn't know much about him. In fact, that was the question I said to the guy in the prayer room. I said, I don't know anything about anything. And he said, Brother Dave, read your Bible and pray and God will answer all your questions. And I got baptized in water four weeks later and that was my beginning. I met Jesus and I started to read my Bible and I started to pray and God started answering my questions. But you know, a little while later, I was in a pool by myself one day and the Lord spoke to me and he said will you put your hand in mine and let me lead you I could tell this was like a, a high this was another step of surrender I think and I, I said yes Lord here's my hand lead me I want to go wherever you want me to go and I want to do whatever you want me to do <laughs> I baptized myself that day I just <laughs> slipped back in the water <laughs> and God led me I went changed my whole direction changed some of the greatest things happened after that and then I was on a missions trip in Honduras and I was in a pool and uh, uh, I was the leader of the team but I sensed God came on me again and and he said another surrender and it was one of those hot pools we were there for our day off but I said I got to get baptized and I said to the group I said I'm surrendering my whole heart to Jesus today And I got baptized in 98-degree water or whatever it is. 
But I'll never forget that moment when I sensed God said, I'm calling you to a higher walk with me. But each time, it was like Jesus, he was revealed more to me than the time before. And I kept making new decisions to say, yes, Lord, I'm yours. Yes, Lord, I'll go farther. Yes, Lord, I'm everything you want. And if we do believe that Jesus is the Christ and the Messiah, that he is who he says he is, then my second question is, what do we, how do we respond to that? You know, I've read about many people in this, these four stories, different responses to Jesus. I told you about Mary. I want to be so much more like her, picking up in my spirit what God's doing in the earth, knowing things and acting on them. There's disciples, like I mentioned, Thomas, who, you know, all right, if that's where you want to go, Lord, we'll go. If we die, we die. I just want to be like that. I mean, there is the Pharisees. I don't think I want to be like them. They wanted to kill Jesus and quash the miracles. I just don't even quite understand that mindset. Let's not have miracles. Let's not have people being raised from the dead. That's bad for our business. I like the Greeks because they were hungry. They just wanted to meet him. Which one are we? Which All those characters. What are we going to do with this question? What is my response? If he is the Christ, if he is the son of God, what am I doing? I do believe this is a year for giving ourselves wholly unto the Lord. I've sensed it more than any other year. 2023. God, how can I give you my life? I'm probably going to have to get baptized again. Because I sense another level of surrender. Another level of God, here I am, use me. Because the days are getting close. I do believe Christ is coming back soon. I'm sensing there's a move of God. I'm sensing that which we're crying out for is moving and happening. There's, some, there's rumblings and shakings. I was just standing over there, and I looked back, and there were shouts of praise going all the way to the back row. That was a miracle right there. I said, hands raised all the way to the back. I said, what's going on? God is moving, and he has plans. Which brings me to my third question. I know it's kind of silly, but it just really seemed to work, and I have a word in my heart about it. Um, how many of you remember the donkey guy, the owner of the donkey? Max Licato says, when I get to heaven, I want to talk to the guy that owned the donkey. <laughs> how did he do that? I mean, did God send him a vision? Did he send him a dream? I mean, how did the guy just say, sure, take my donkey? Because he said, the Lord has need of it. That is a cool question. I want to ask the guy, too. Every one of us has something that we can give if the Lord says he has need of it. I'm expecting this. Whenever the Lord talks to us, that our answer is yes, Lord. Whatever you have need of, yes, Lord. Because I believe that's the day that we're in to, to give our best to helping move Jesus' plans forward. God wants to use you. I was praying and praying in the spirit and just heard this once again. God has things. He's put talents and gifts on the inside of you. And if the word came, the Lord hath need of you, would you say, 
Yes. And let it go. Having a donkey in this day and time was like having a really nice car. Be like me coming up to you and saying, that nice car that you just bought, it's brand new, I need the keys. And you're like, sure, no problem. And the Lord has need of it. I heard this in my heart. I want to encourage you. Think about all the people. Which one do you want to resemble? What do you want to be like this year? Sometimes he said, but you, something's happened in my past. The Lord says, there is nothing in your past that Jesus can't take you forward with from. Every one of you, you we, we live in that rearview mirror kind of idea, but every one of you, ah, oh, but I messed up. Ah, oh, but I failed. Ah, oh, but I didn't do, I didn't obey. The Lord says, today's the day to respond and say yes. I tried to say yes 14 years ago, but I didn't. And, I, and, and I, the Lord said, take it away. Today's the day to say yes. You have time. The Lord has need of it. You have talent, gifts, the Lord has need of it. You have treasure, the Lord has need of it for his kingdom purposes. If I'm one of those persons, which one do I want to be? This year is the year to be the Christian, the man of God, the woman of God that you're called to be. And not looking back and saying, but I, but I did this, but no, no. The Lord said, forget that, what lies behind it's time to press forward to what lies ahead. It's all hands on deck. This is the day. This is the hour to hear the, the word of the Lord and say, yes, here I am, Lord, whatever you need. And if you have a donkey, then give it and say, yes, Lord. <laughs> I'm just teasing about that, but I'm not. This is the part I want you to catch. Lord, how can I give you my best? How can I go forward? I believe in you, and my response is this. I surrender to you. I give you my life, and whatever I have, it belongs to you. It belongs to you. He is the king. He is the Messiah. He is the son of God, and he makes one request. Believe in him and in the Father. Amen. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.